0: Well, this uh, Lent, we're looking at God's impossible commands. Those uh, things that God tells us to do in the Bible that just don't seem possible. And last week, we considered a four step process for dealing with these commands as described in the book Impossible Commands by Pastor John T. Alcock. It's our Lenten study book. Do you know how many commandments there are in the Bible? Well, You may be thinking of the, the ten big ones, but there are actually 613 commands in the Old Testament alone. And just the sheer number of them makes it difficult for us to keep them. Now, there are some commandments that I have no difficulty keeping whatsoever. Like Deuteronomy 14.21 Do not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. I have nailed that command. I have never once broken it. Or Deuteronomy 14, 19. All flying insects are unclean to you. Do not eat them. Now the Bible does make an exception for grasshoppers and locusts. You can eat them, but I'll pass anyways. That one's easy. And then there's another part of verse 21. Do not eat anything that you find already dead. That means roadkill is out. <laughs> Sorry, folks, but you know, I can live with that one too. Some commandments are easy. But you deduct the easy commandments like that, and you bring the list down to, uh, to a mere four or five hundred. Now, you can also deduct the Old Testament commandments that apply to the temple or something else that doesn't exist today. So you can bring it down to about 300 if you get rid of those commandments and deduct another couple of dozen commandments that apply only when you're in Israel. And so if you don't go, to there, don't go there, you've automatically knocked off a couple dozen more. But that still leaves you with about 250 to follow. Still too many. But what if God narrowed it down to just two? Could you follow them then? Would it be possible if there were just two commandments for you to follow? Well, Jesus did just that. He made it easy on us. He condensed all those 613 commandments plus others. Down to just two. Listen to what he says in the 12th chapter of Mark. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And Jesus adds in in Matthew 22, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. All the Bible hangs on these. So we got it down to two. That should make it easy, but we know it doesn't. Well, let's start with that second command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Were you one of the many people who put up one of these uh, res signs a while back, said, love your neighbor? These are so popular that we had the first run and they they quickly disappeared. We had to make another run of these. Uh, You may still have one around. Mine has broken, and so it's not out there. But when you put up a sign like this, you let the world know not only that, that you believe in Jesus, that you're lifting up one of his commandments, but also that you're willing to, to let the whole world know that you intend to follow it. I mean, you can't put a sign up like this that says, love your neighbor, and then not follow through. When we had that last big snowstorm, uh, <clears throat> my wife Tammy brought in the garbage cans around our neighborhood. And uh, she did that so they wouldn't get knocked over or buried by the snow plow because it was, it was uh, the trash collection night when all that snow came. And uh, that's a nice thing to do. But uh, the neighbor next to us was even nicer because before I could get out there to even start shoveling the driveway, she'd already come over with her snowblower and, and blown out almost the whole thing before I could even get out there. It was an act of love, and it was appreciated. I'm sure some of you have done pretty well at loving your neighbor. You put out the sign, and you lived up to it. You went above and beyond. But have you loved your neighbor as yourself. See, that's the sticking point. And unless you're really poor at loving yourself and taking care of yourself, you've probably found that part of the commandment impossible to do. Especially with a difficult neighbor. I hope you don't have one, but not all neighbors are easy to love. It's easy to love the neighbor that blows out your driveway. But what about the one that lets their dog poop in your yard? Tammy's grandmother was a dear saint in her church. <clears throat> Same neighbor. <laughs> well, see, there is the struggle. Tammy, Tammy's uh, grandmother lived to be 100, and, and she was a, a saint in her church. They lived across from the nursing home, and she would go over to visit the old people, and she started when she was younger, but she was still 100 and then going telling us she was going over to visit the old people who were like 20 years younger than her. (laughs) Dear woman. And for most of the time, she had neighbors that, that she liked and were friendly, but in the last few years of her life, she got some neighbors that were just downright nasty. One time they called the police on her because she, they said that she was looking out the window at them. You can imagine the police show up at your house. The neighbors have complained that you've been looking out your window. Oh, Even worse, they had some big dogs that they would let out the door and they would run over to Grandma's yard and do their business in Grandma's yard. And it galled her to no end. So one day, in full recognition of commandment number two, she got out a shovel and she scooped up the poop herself. And then she flung it back at the neighbors. (laughs) Not just their yard, but uh, since their driveway and their cars and their trailers were parked there, she flung shovelful after shovelful covering the neighbor's stuff. Even the best 100-year-old grandmas have trouble loving their neighbors as themselves. You could say it's darn near impossible. As much as we hate to admit it, we have limits when it comes to loving others. And if that isn't bad enough, then Jesus ups the ante when he adds a new commandment to those old ones. In John 13, he says, a new commandment I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Mm. And he said this on the night before he, when he was arrested and beaten and dragged out to be crucified for our sake. He said this just before, forgiving those who drove the nails into his hands and feet, saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. You might dream you could love your neighbor as yourself, but to love like Jesus? Impossible. But that's okay. Because step number one in dealing with these impossible commands is to admit, I can't do it. Step number two, then, is to say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, God, for all of the actual dog poop I've slung at my neighbors, or probably more like, I'm sorry for all the dog poop that I've slung in my mind at my neighbors. Because I bet you probably haven't physically done that. But how much... How many times have we in our minds thought unloving things towards our neighbors? And remember, Jesus defines the the neighbor quite broadly. It's not just the person living next to you. It's anybody you encounter in life. How many times have our thoughts and attitudes not been that of Jesus? How often have we thought more of ourselves than someone else? And how rarely have we ever wanted to love another as Jesus has loved us. So step two is, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Jesus. Step three, remember what step three is? It's to ask God for help. For us, it's impossible, but all things are possible to God. With the help of God, we can do far beyond what we could imagine. With the help of God's Spirit, shockingly, we can even find ourselves wanting to love others as we love ourselves, or more importantly, as Jesus loves us. So we pray, please help. Please help me, Jesus, to love those persons whose dogs go on my lawn. Please help me to love the person who talks too much, especially the pastor. Please help me to love the woman who has slighted me to love the politician who promotes policies that goes against what I believe. Please help me to love the driver who cut me off in traffic. Please help me to love the unlovable because you love them. You love me. Even when I'm the person with the dogs, talking too much, slighting others and promoting policies that go against what you believe God even when I'm being the poor driver please help me love Jesus as you love and then you just go do it step four is saying let's go Jesus I'm going to love somebody today like myself with your help I'm going to love someone like you love me and maybe that means that you bring in your neighbor's garbage cans in the midst of a storm Maybe you resist the urge to get revenge and you clean up after somebody else's dog. Maybe you forgive someone who has slighted you. And I don't mean just in general, like we pray during the Lord's Prayer, you know, Father, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. No, I mean specific people who have wronged us. As I forgive Ryan, who has trespassed against me. As I forgive Emily, who said all those nasty things about me on social media. Oh, with God's help, we can start loving. On our own, this commandment is is too much, but with the Lord's help, we can begin to love others as we love ourselves. So that's one of the commandments. But then that leaves us with with the first commandment, to love the Lord. And not just love the Lord, but to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Why does God ask us to do the impossible? Well, remember a few weeks back when we we were talking about how God looks at, at us as... It's kind of in a marriage. A marriage between the Lamb and the church. And that God wants us to live happily ever after. Well, God looks at, at a relationship that way that's as deep and as, and, and as strong as that. And God is not a swinger. God does not believe in open marriage. God does not believe in polygamy. God is is very specific in wanting our complete devotion. God doesn't want to share us with anything else as God. In fact, the Bible says that, that God even gets jealous when we cheat on him with something else, when we worship something else. Exodus 34 says this, do not worship any other God, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. The Lord, whose name is Jealous, that's a really weird phrase, but the, the actual words here are, whose name is El-Kanah. El means God, and Kana means Jealous. So God says here, call me Mr. Jealous. Mr. Jealous God. And that seems strange because usually we associate with jealousy with something bad, but what God is saying is that that this relationship we have with him is not like all the other pagan gods that you hear about in Egypt or worshipped by the Canaanites or the the Romans. These so-called gods are more than happy for you to worship other gods as long as you worship them too. But God says, that's not the way with me. I won't cheat on you. You don't go cheating on me. Love me with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul and with all your strength. Now, I don't suppose that, that, uh, that you have any trouble today cheating on the Lord with, by worshiping Zeus or Molech or Isis or, or any of those uh, other pagan gods that you learned about back in high school We know they aren't really gods. But how many other things do we treat like God even when we know that they aren't gods either? Like our comfort, money, sports, popularity, politics, alcohol, drugs, our rights even when they're wrongs, our looks, our homes, our privileges, our power. We comfort ourselves by saying, well, we love God too, but God is not a me-too God. God is a me-only God. El Kana. Mr. Jealous, I, I love you. And you should love me. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Pastor Alcock, in, in his book, compares this relationship with God that God wants to have with us to the declaration of intention that is a standard part of a a wedding service, those traditional wedding questions, where it says, will you have this person to be your husband or wife, et cetera, et cetera, and forsaking all others, be faithful to him or her as long as you both shall live. He says that's, that's the kind of love that God is asking for. Now, that doesn't mean we stop loving other people. We're commanded to love our neighbors as ourselves. And and we know that even though you love your spouse with all of your heart, you can also love your children and your parents and your neighbors. But to love the Lord our God with all your heart means we hold nothing back from God. God has our complete devotion, and that's hard. Impossible, really. Really? So what do we do? Well, we use the four steps again. Step one, be honest. God, I can't love you as completely as you love me. Step two, confess. God, I'm sorry. I have cheated on, it, cheated on you. As, uh, as that old hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, says, there's a verse in there that, that I find hard to sing because it's too honest. It strikes too close to home. It says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. We have wandering eyes and divided hearts and mixed loyalties, and we say, God, I'm sorry. Step three, please help God. Give me a passionate love for you. Give me a desire to love you completely. Sue Ganser, who's often out at the welcome desk, um, but is off now this month. She said to me the other day, you know, every time I take those little, the, the communion cup, and I drink the, the grape juice, I get this craving for a big glass of juice. And You know, I think that's what God, God wants. Sue wants more. She wants more juice. And God wants us to crave communion with God like that. So we pray, Lord, we can't do it on our own. God, help me to crave you like that. To not be satisfied until our hearts are filled with such love for you that nothing else can pull us away. And then step four. Step out in faith and start loving God. Let's go, God. Me and you together, we're on this adventure together. Let's go. You no, know, years ago when I was uh, in seminary, I was taught never to have a two-point sermon. Because what happens is people walk away and they'll only remember one of the points. And they'll only follow one of the things that you talked about. Never do two. You can have a one-point sermon, you can have a three-point sermon, never do a two-point sermon, and then here Jesus hands us a two-point sermon. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. This is not an either-or choice, it's both and. We do it all. Love the Lord and love our neighbor love the lord with all our heart, soul, mind and strength and love our neighbor as ourselves even more impossibly love one another as jesus has loved you it's impossible yes but but with god all things are possible so let's pray Oh Lord, you have have made it so simple, two little things. And even that we find impossible. And we try to make excuses. we say, well, you love is just something you fall into. I'm not feeling love for my neighbor. Not really feeling love for God. Lord, you have given us a command to love because love is a choice, not just a feeling. And we can choose to love you and we can choose to love our neighbor. And and although our own strength is impossible to do it as completely as you ask of us, help us never settle for half-hearted love, but help us to crave to crave you, to love you more, and then to share that love with our neighbor. God, these are hard things. But may we do this not out of begrudging duty, but may we do it out of joy. Put your joy within us Put your love within us and may it increase day and day, day after day. Thank you for your love for us. Amen.